Welcome to the first of what's going to be a five-session study on the Old Testament book of Judges. Now, before we jump into this book, I want to begin by asking the question, why Judges? Why this book? Judges is a strange and often neglected book of the Old Testament. And if you read it, you can pretty quickly understand why. Judges is probably the most violent book in the Bible. It's filled with depictions of murder, warfare, sexual abuse, political assassinations. As the Hebrew scholar Robert Alter puts it, Judges represents, one might say, the Wild West era of the biblical story. Men are a law unto themselves. Every man, as Judges says, did what was right in his own eyes. Reading Judges is like reading a script for a violent Hollywood film. It almost reminds you of a kind of Cormac McCarthy novel or some Coen Brothers movie. It's not really what you would expect for Bible study material. And that explains why Judges is so often neglected. It doesn't seem very edifying. It's very difficult to find good moral or spiritual models in this book. And that's not a new problem. In fact, Judges is, of all of the historical books in the Old Testament, probably the least referenced and least commented on in the early church. Among both Jews and Christians, they struggled to know what to do with this book. How do we make sense of it? How can it possibly be edifying for us? A hundred years ago, there was a Welsh Congregationalist minister who was teaching his church Sunday school, and this is what he said to them about this book of Judges. You may imagine then that this book of Judges is not pleasant to read. Much of it is quite ghastly. You must not go to it for any ideals of life or learn anything about your own duty at the present time, except, as you can see, that it is your duty not to imitate the ways of most of the people whom you read in it. Nevertheless, no matter how ghastly this book may be, Judges is still Christian scripture. It is still breathed out by God, as Paul says in 2 Timothy. It is still useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, because that's true of all of scripture. The question for us is how? How should we read this book? What are we supposed to get out of it? What can we learn from it today? We're going to be answering these questions over the next five sessions, but I want to begin today by focusing on two themes, two themes that we need to keep in mind while reading the book. The first theme is the context of the book of Judges. In order to understand it, you really need to understand its context. And the second theme I want to talk about is the pattern, noticing the pattern which keeps recycling and repeating throughout the book. So first, let me say something about the context of Judges. Now often when people talk about the context of a biblical book, they're often referring to its historical context, you know, asking questions like, who wrote it? 
to whom or for whom was this book written? What was the historical occasion or situation that led to its composition? Take the book of Galatians, for instance, which we recently completed a study on. We can answer these questions for Galatians, and they help us to understand the book. The Apostle Paul wrote it. He wrote it to these early Christians in a region of Antioch. He wrote it because of a specific situation that had arisen about questions between the relationship between Jewish and Greek Christians. For judges, however, we can't really answer these questions. We don't know who wrote the book of Judges. We don't know exactly when it was written. We don't know who its original audience was. But when I talk about the context of Judges, that's not what I have in mind. I'm not thinking primarily of the historical context of the book when it was originally written. I'm actually thinking more of its canonical context. When I talk about the context of the book of Judges, I'm asking questions like, where does Judges fit within the broader canon of Scripture? What is its place within the biblical story? And this is a really important question to ask for Judges, and it's important if you want to understand what it's getting at, what it's teaching us. And the book itself recognizes this. In fact, the very first line in this book alerts us to the importance of this context. Here's what we read in Judges chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. Why start this way? By starting off the book by saying, after the death of Joshua. If you read the book of Joshua, Joshua actually starts very similarly. It says, after the death of Moses, that's the opening words. But why start the book this way? Well, it's because the author of Judges is telling us that to understand this book, we need to know and to keep in mind where we are in the story. If you read this line, after the death of Joshua, you immediately have a number of questions which come to mind. Who is Joshua? Why is his death significant? What has happened beforehand? So what do we need to know then about the story that leads up to Judges, if we're going to understand its context? The first thing that we need to know is we need to remember that Israel as a people, Israel is a nation that has been chosen for a specific purpose. They have been chosen not just to be blessed by God, but to be a blessing to others. In fact, to be a blessing to all nations. That's what God tells Abraham when he first calls him, the one from whom this whole nation descends. When God calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he tells him, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." So that's the purpose of Israel. They are called not just to be a people chosen by God, whom He will bless, but that they will be a blessing, that all the nations and families of the earth will be blessed through them. And how are they supposed to do this? 
How are they supposed to be a blessing? Well, according to Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, this long speech that Moses gives them right before they enter the promised land, Israel is to be a blessing precisely by walking in the ways of the Lord, as Moses puts it, which means living according to God's law, obeying God, ordering their lives by following the will of God as He has laid down for them. And in doing so, revealing what kind of God, what the character of God is it, it is whom they serve. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses tells Israel that when they enter the land, the way they live will be something that other nations will see. And that when other nations look at the distinctive character and behavior of Israel as a society, that they will marvel at the character of Israel's God by their loyalty and by their obedience to God. Israel is supposed to bless the nations because they are supposed to stand out and be a witness to all those around them of the character of the God that they worship. This is really important to keep in mind because in Judges, we see what happens when Israel fails to fulfill that purpose. Judges begins by telling us that Joshua has just died, which means that the place we are in the story is that Israel has finally come into the promised land. They have begun to settle, which is what we read about in the book of Joshua. And now they're going to live in the land that God has given them. And we need to remember that Israel has also been charged to avoid the gods of the other nations, that they are required to be loyal to, to God and God alone, avoid any form of idolatry. And the reason that they're supposed to do this is because the worship of other nations is what leads nations to live in destructive ways. And Israel is supposed to be a witness. And the book of Joshua, the book right before Judges, ends with the whole nation of Israel vowing to do just that. Now they're in the land and Joshua is getting old. And here's what Joshua tells them in chapter 24 of Joshua, the very final chapter of the book. He says, now therefore, he's speaking to all of Israel, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve, Joshua says. Will you serve the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who called your father Abraham and who led you out of Egypt? Or will you serve all these gods of other nations, the Egyptian deities and the Canaanite deities? As for me and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. Now, it's interesting because if you read this part of Joshua, the very end of the book of Joshua, Israel, who's listening to Joshua speak, they all respond with an enthusiastic promise. We also will serve the Lord for he is our God. And that's the immediate context 
of the book of Judges. They have just made this vow. Joshua has died. They're settling in the land. But after Joshua dies, pretty soon Israel forgets their promise. And what we discover in the book of Judges is that the people fall into a tragic and cyclical pattern, one which undermines the purpose for for which they have been chosen as a nation, one which keeps them from fulfilling their calling to be a blessing. What is this pattern that we see recurring again and again throughout the book? Well, you can see it already at work in the opening chapters of Judges, just in the first two or three chapters. And there's four basic steps that repeat in this pattern. The first step is Israel disobeys God and they begin to engage in idolatry. You can see this in chapter 1. The northern tribes are are settling in the land, but in disobedience to God, they fail to drive out the the pagan people, the Canaanites, and uh, and all their gods in the land. And by the middle of chapter 2, we see the result of this failure to drive out paganism. Judges 2 verse 11 tells us, that the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. The Baals are various forms of Canaanite deities that Israel again and again falls into idolatry with. And this phrase, Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, it's repeated six times in the book of Judges. That's the first step. Israel falls into disobedience and they begin to engage in idolatry and they do what is evil and they become violent. The second step is that God's anger is kindled against them for their disloyalty and for their disobedience. And as a consequence, he delivers them over to enemies. We see this in Judges chapter 2 verse 14, which tells us that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. That's the second step. The third step in the cycle is that Israel cries out to God, and in response, he raises up a judge. This is where we get the name of the book of Judges, these people that God raises up. They're not really judicial authorities. They're more like military leaders of sorts, but they're bringing God's justice to the people. God raises up a judge and he delivers them. And you can see this in chapter 3 with some of the first judges we're told about, Othniel, Ehud, and Shamgar. This pattern repeats itself. And then finally, the fourth step in the pattern, after Israel's fallen into disobedience, after God has delivered them over to enemies, after he's delivered them, in the fourth step, the land enjoys rest, we are told which means that Israel experiences peace. And this usually lasts for a generation or two. And then the cycle simply repeats itself. In short, that's the book of Judges. As you read through it, you see the same thing again and again and again. The same pattern of failure and deliverance and then failure again. It's a tragic story. But why do we need to read it? Why should we continue to study this book today? What does this pattern have to do with our own lives? 
there's lots of answers to this, but I'd like to suggest a preliminary answer. The reason that we need to study Judges is because Judges teaches us something very important about ourselves and about God. The story of the people of Israel in Judges is one that holds a lot of truths about ourselves, uh, truths that we tend to forget or we'd rather avoid. Like Israel, we as Christians, we too have been called as a people to bless the world, to bear witness to our God by following the teachings and the example of Jesus. And we too, like Israel, are tempted by idolatry. Now, it's not always as apparent these days in the modern world. Idols often don't take the shape of carved deities for us. But as the book of Judges shows, idolatry is more than that. Idolatry, at the end of the day, is about what we value and where we place our allegiance. Stephen Fowle, who's a biblical scholar, who's written a recent book on idolatry, he shows that in the Bible, in the Old Testament, idolatry is what arises when the people of God forget what they have been taught, forget about God, forget the law, forget His instructions. And it's what happens when the people of God give in to fear and greed. And Judges gives us numerous examples of this. And in that sense, it's kind of like a mirror. It's not an easy mirror to look at. But if we're honest, if we look closely and honestly, in this story of Israel's faithlessness, their repeated failures, we can see something of our own reflection. But this is not just about the faithlessness of God's people. This book also tells us something important about the faithfulness of God. Judges is kind of a contest, you could say, between God's faithless people and God's own faithful character. Johann Gerhard was a 17th century Lutheran theologian, and here's what he says about that. He says that during all the time when the judges were ruling the people, the kindness of God and the idolatry and wickedness of the people of Israel battled with each other, as it were, to see which was superior. This is the contest at the heart of the book of Judges. And again and again, this story raises the question, will God remain faithful to his promise to this people, even now, even after another slip, another failure, another act of disobedience? How far will God go to keep his promises? What will he do to deliver his people? What kind of God is this? This question is at the very heart of the biblical story. And in Judges, it's raised with incredible urgency. And that's why we need to study this book. Because we need to hear its answer. Because we need to hear what it says to us about ourselves and about God. I am... So glad that you are joining me for this study, as together we hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest these life-giving words of this strange but beautiful book.